0: This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Do you remember that story about a so called traditional and conservative attempt among the cardinals in Rome to force Francis to resign and replace him with a better pope? That story broke before Pel, Cardinal Pell passed away. Now, truthfully, I doubted that story when it emerged, mostly because the cardinals and bishops that were talking about really are only known for writing letters and articles and haven't actually figured out a meaningful way that they can resist Francis, let alone remove him from his alleged office. I'm more convinced now than ever that the story was a fabrication, where the inversion of that story was actually the truth, that the conservative and traditional leaning cardinals were being put on notice that essentially that they were going to be pushed out of the Roman Curia and moved out of any possible way of interfering. And now I think we have more proof of that with the story that Commonweal magazine published online by its professional Francis fanfiction writer, Austin Ivaray, whose job it is to be the voice of Francis among the laity in the English-speaking world. Mr. Ivaray is the author of several books lionizing Francis, most notably The Great Reformer, a book that celebrated Francis at the start of his alleged papacy. It was a sort of biography, but the problem with it was that it told too much. If you could find a first edition of that book, get yourself a copy because Mr. Ivory gave too much information in that book, especially details about how Francis was willing to play both sides in an issue against each other to achieve his goals, and it specifically outlined Bergoglio's possible crimes in Argentina involving the dictatorial state that ruled the country for much of his life. It's definitely worth reading if you can find a first edition, and mysteriously, all that information that I just sort of hinted at has been largely removed in subsequent editions. So a copy of the first edition is the one that you want, because that's the key to understanding this papacy. But I want you to keep the following story in mind, which I'll cover in brief. You see, the conservative, better, Novus Ordo, and trad-leaning bishops have been put on notice while Francis plays footsie with moderating the Church's teaching on the James Martin sin. Sacred Scripture in Genesis chapter 18 verses 20 to 21, in Ezekiel chapter 16 verses 49 to 50, in Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22, in Jude uh, verses 7 to 8, as well as St. Paul's famous condemnations of such sins in Romans chapter 1. This sin cannot be moderated illicitly. That isn't stopping Pack Papa Francis from trying to do just that. InfoVaticana, Vaticana is a pretty mainstream European Catholic news and commentary site, is reporting that Francis apologized to James Martin for talking about that sin that is so dear to James Martin's heart the way he did. And you've seen this story published elsewhere, but InfoVaticana really kind of nails it. Here's the main part of the reporting. Quote, quoting Francis, When I said that it's a sin, I was simply referring to the Catholic moral teaching that all acts of the flesh outside of marriage are sinful. Of course, we must take into account the circumstances that diminish or nullify the guilt. As you can see, I was repeating a general thing. He, meaning Francis, should have said, It is a sin as is any act of the flesh outside of marriage. This speaking of the matter of sin, but we know well that Catholic morality, in addition to matter, evaluates freedom, intention, and this for all kinds of sin. End quote. It's an ambiguous statement, leading many to ask how Francis is playing at loosening the church's teaching. And it's pretty easy, actually. First, note the inclusion of the the words outside of marriage. You don't qualify sins that cry out to heaven in that way. Even in the bond of the nuptial sacrament, such sins cry out to heaven. They're opposed to the law of God no matter who engages in them. And that sacramental bond is not possible for those who identify with such sins anyway, the people that James Martin is really interested in. No matter how much James Martin agitates for it, the crowd he advocates for cannot partake of that sacrament in the manner that they would want. So, why would Francis qualify outside of marriage when talking about this sin is a mystery. And the second way he softens the church's teaching is by putting the qualification on it that makes the sinful nature of it subject to circumstance. He never really says what he means by that. So, unless he's talking about Let's just be kind of uncomfortable here, but unless he's talking about involuntarily being subject to such sinful acts, meaning being a victim of a crime of those kind, then there is sin involved. No one would say involuntary acts are sinful since sin requires consent of the will, and having such activities forced upon you involuntarily means you were a victim of evil deeds and not a sin. At least not for you. But if he's using the habitual sin excuse, then he's gone way too far, as quite frankly his predecessors did with trying to soften the Church's teaching on what Pius XII called the private sin, which something like 90% of men and 75% of women go to confession for, according to confessors. So keep that in mind, because Francis chose to write a handwritten letter to Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church to make sure that he and his followers knew that he wasn't trying to be too mean and that the Church now teaches that functionally that sin that cries out to heaven for vengeance according to sacred scripture apparently no longer cries out to heaven but is now mitigated by circumstances and is no really any different than anyone in doing things that are in accordance with nature outside the bonds of the nuptial sacrament. For what reason he never says. Keep that in mind because Austin Ivaray puts the better bishops on notice while that's going on with an awful story that shows that while Francis distracts people with that kind of Jimmy Martin nonsense, the work of suppressing All opposition against him goes full steam ahead. So let's head over to Commonweal now. Headline, The Gatekeepers. This January exposed the opposition to Francis. Exposed, huh? This article is a hit piece on Cardinals Mueller and, yes, Pell. Mr. Ivory finds it an opportune time to go after a man after he's died, which is fine. I guess those are the rules we're playing by now. Let's see how they act when it's Francis' turn in possibly a few short years. But the article is pretty straightforward. Pell, Mueller, a few others represent the disloyal opposition to Francis, the betraying opposition to Francis, and apparently are not to be trusted. It's putting the trad movement on notice, since despite our differences with these bishops, trads often either look up to them or at least see in them a lack of the absolute hatred for the faith that the hypermodernists have. Remember, This is while Francis softens the Church's teachings on sins that until recently were described as being among the non-negotiables. The Church had this sin that we're obliquely referencing here as a non-negotiable. I guess all things are negotiable now, at least with the secular world. And it's definitely Mr. Ivory putting the better bishops on notice here. His job is, once again, to speak for Francis, to send messages to the faithful on behalf of the man the world thinks is Pope. And part of the message is, Don't listen to the things Pell and Mueller have to say. From the article, quote, The passing of Benedict XVI, 95, and long ailing on December 31st was followed by the unexpected death on January 10th of a giant figure of conservative Catholicism, Cardinal George Pell, 81, but con-celebrated Benedict's funeral just five days earlier. What made this one of the most turbulent months of the past decade was not just these two deaths, but what they exposed the tactics and mindset of a group of conservatives who, smelling the end of the Francis era, are determined to secure its reversal in the next conclave. Yet by playing their hand too hard and too early, confident that a papal transition was imminent, they have been exposed as disloyal and unecclesial. By the way, that's a word he made up. There's no such word as unecclesial. End quote. He goes on to describe Archbishop Gonswein's new book, which is only out in Italy at the moment, but will be published in English this summer. It might be out in German, too, by the way. I might be wrong about that. If I'm wrong, let me know in the comments. But it's out in English this summer. Gonswein is described as an opportunist in pretty unflattering terms by Mr. Ivere, who then goes after George Pell for being the figure behind that memo that circulated in Rome last March, telling the cardinals that they needed to fix Francis's errors in the next conclave, by choosing a good pope, and how to go about doing just that, which I'm surprised hasn't been argued was a form of material interference in a conclave, because that's what they could do here. They could say that he's planning a conclave. Then if Ray, ever the propagandist, gets right to his point, Francis is the hero, conservative bishops are the villains. Quote, Yet in the midst of all this, Francis, far from furious, praised Pell to the dean of the College of Cardinals, Giovanni Battista Ray, as a, quote, committed witness to the gospel and church, who had led the Vatican financial reform with, quote, determination and wisdom, and, quote, unwaveringly followed his lord with perseverance even in the hour of trial. The pope gave the final blessing at Pell's funeral on January 14th, and later told the Associated Press that the cardinal had the human right to criticize him, adding, quote, he was a great guy, great. But Pell's behavior was a second shock to Roman sensibilities. Just as Gonswein had betrayed the curial code of confidentiality and loyalty, Pell had cast aside his cardinal's vow of loyalty to the Pope. Among those who had admired Pell for his directness, if not his dogmatism, it was hard to compute. He had enjoyed Francis's trust as his finance head, but also as a member of his nine-member cabinet of cardinals, tasked with reforming the Vatican, at whose meetings, over many years, all could speak freely, quote. in other words, if he had a problem, he should have brought it to Francis directly, even you know though Francis is not known for listening to these things well, let 's review Cardinal Pell betrayed Francis's trust by opposing his novelties and errors in public, apparently getting a seat on the Council of Nine or whatever they called it, means you are to swear eternal, undying loyalty to the man on the throne of Peter, regardless of his errors. And to many Catholics who know nothing of church history, that would sound correct. But if you've ever heard of, I don't know, popes, Leo X, Alexander VI, Benedict X, or the other handful of truly monstrous popes in history who all were scoundrels and some outright evil, some who did wicked evil things, if you heard of their deeds, you would want the bishops of their time to resist them, and some did. But none of them were out-and-out heretics. None of them placed idols on the altar at the Vatican like Francis did. None of them tried to soften or even reject church teachings on obvious moral issues that the church has been consistent with since the time of our Lord. And it's Francis in our time that people say you cannot resist. It's mind-blowing if you know anything about the history of the papacy. And it's more colorful examples of men who were villains in the story of the church. But today, People think a pope must be holy by default, that that is the default setting for a pope, and that it is impossible for a man to sit on the throne of Peter and be a scoundrel of some kind. And they think, they think and find it equally unfathomable for people to picture an anti-pope ruling the church. People can't picture it. So what do you think about this story? Is it pretty rich for Francis to put the better bishops on notice like that while he plays kissy face with great evil and immoral acts? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help, as does sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.